I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in, Ute fans. This is the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. As we sit on the eve of Utah training camp getting underway. Some call it Camp Kyle. Some call it training camp. Some call it fall camp. Either way, this is the beginning of the 2020 football season for the Utes. And I could not be more excited to cover it this season with you guys and to bring you the latest and greatest coverage of the Utes in 2020 as they try to repeat for the third time as Pac-12 South Division champions. Glad to have you guys aboard. We have a jam-packed show. We're going to talk about Utah's training camp, what needs to happen, what are some of the things to look forward to heading into camp. We'll also hear from Kyle Whittingham as he addressed the media once again, as did all 12 Pac-12 football coaches during a webinar, quote-unquote. I'm calling it Media Day, even though they did not call it that, but we're not going to get any kind of opportunity like this again to talk to all the coaches within the Pac-12 conference. But Utah will, will begin camp on Friday, October 9th, and they will practice for four weeks leading up to their opener on November 7th at Rice Eccles Stadium against the Arizona Wildcats. Coming up on today's show, we will talk to Scott Mitchell, former Utah quarterback. He's also the host of KSL's Unrivaled, and he is a color analyst for the Utes on game day on radio. And we'll get his thoughts on the quarterback battle. He's going to join us weekly during camp as we figure out who will be the starting quarterback for Utah. And we should at least have it narrowed down to two players probably by a week from Monday is my guess is when Kyle Whittingham will narrow it down to two quarterbacks who will be getting starter reps. And we'll also talk some basketball. I had a conversation with Lynn Roberts, Utah women's basketball coach, as she's getting her young and talented team ready for their season coming up on November 25th. We don't know who they will be playing and what their schedule layout will be, but we do know that that's when basketball will begin in college. I asked Lynn about what it's like prepping for a season while in the middle of a a, a pandemic because no other coach is going through of what what these coaches are going through now with this pandemic and so it'll be interesting to get some thoughts on that we're going to cover utah women's basketball as well as the men as well as utah football all utah athletics will be covered here on the crimson corner podcast so it'll be good to get that rolling as well going to go from zero to 100 as far as youth coverage of what it seems going from just not really a lot going on because of the Pac-12 moving fall sports to 
January 1 at least, uh, and then all of a sudden deciding to play in November, starting camp, and then basketball is going to start around the same time that football is. So we've got a lot going on down the home stretch of the 2020 calendar year. As always, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, I am at Trevor A Sports. On Instagram, I'm at Trevor Allen KSL. And then you can also follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, have you guys checked out the brand new KSL Sports app? Well, maybe you should. You're able to find the latest and greatest content over at kslsports.com. You'll also be able to listen to the Crimson Corner podcast from there. And also keep tabs on your other favorite teams from around the state of Utah and nationally. As it's your one-stop shop for all of your sports content needs is kslsports.com. All right. Here is Kyle Whittingham addressing the media on Thursday during the Pac-12 coaches webinar. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, lost one of the great ones yesterday. There you go. Eddie Van Halen. Want to give him a little tribute, a uh, great rock and roller, one of my all-time favorites, and he will be missed. So that's foremost on my mind right now. But but uh, as far as the season, um, the upcoming season, uh, we're excited to get going. Um, you know, our team was elated when, first of all, we found out that we were going to get to play again and when we got the schedule last week and and uh, have some direction now and some, and some uh, you know, definitive uh, opponents to work towards. And uh, we're starting uh, fall camp on Friday, so they're eager to get back on the field uh, in a camp setting. And uh, you know, season will be here before you know it. Four weeks from from, Friday, uh, from Saturday, rather, we got uh, Arizona Wildcats coming to our place. So a lot of excitement around here right now. When we spoke to you last week, uh, it sounded like your understanding was the NCAA may allow teams to begin practice with full pads. Do you have any more clarity on if that's possible? No more clarity than I did then, and I, I'm, I'm thinking as the days go by without anything being uh, announced that it's less and less likely. And so uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because we've been in no pads for you know, months now, and uh, to do it again uh, seems a little bit pointless. But, but uh, so far, we've heard nothing, and we're right now anticipating that it will be a normal acclimatization period uh, starting on Friday just like it would have been if we would have started fall camp on time. And just to follow that up, do you have any status update um, on RJ Hubert at this point? Yeah, he's working with us uh, 100% cleared, uh, doing everything uh, that uh, you know, the, the team is doing, uh, no no restrictions. And uh, we still got to be careful with him, you know, coming off those knee surgeries and, and the, the severity of the injury. Uh, you know, you're not out of the woods yet, and uh, it'll be – we got to be smart when we start fall camp uh, and we start going every day that uh, we don't uh, overwork that, that knee of his. And so uh, we'll, we'll take uh, precautions with that. But to this point, he's been uh, really good and had, has had no problems. Hi, Coach. I, I wanted to sneak in a question, if I could, about a, a former player of yours, Tim Patrick, who's, who's starting to um, really make a name for himself uh, with, with the Broncos. And, and I'm just curious, his from your perspective, when he overcame that injury, at Utah and, and came back. What, what did you What did you see in him? What um, What did you learn about him that would, would give you the idea that that he was going to be a guy who could make a name for himself in the NFL once once he got that chance? Yeah, that was a significant injury, and he uh, showed a lot of mental toughness and and uh, resiliency in coming back. Um, he was a, a terrific get for us, uh, you know, to get in our program and 
and really was more a basketball player when we recruited him. He was uh, more known for his basketball ability, but but uh, you know we had a, an inkling that he could be a really good receiver at this level. And of course, uh, what he's doing in the NFL now is, is proven that out. We're very proud of him. Had a huge game last week, and uh, he's uh, just a, a hardworking kid that was uh, you know a great teammate and really did everything that was asked of him for the uh, two years that he was here. Just to follow up, when you when you saw him make his return the first time uh, in 2016 after that injury, what was what was kind of the feeling for him after after what everybody had seen him go through? Well, he was uh, ecstatic, you know, to get back on the field. And really, an injury like that, the mental aspect of it is just as difficult as the physical aspect and gaining confidence and and knowing that you're healed and believing that you're healed and being able to cut loose. And so he was, uh, you know, excited that. Uh, he had made it back, and and the entire team was as well, and the, and the coaching staff in addition. Uh, you've been a you've been a long time proponent for playoff expansion, and obviously this year is going to be funky with everybody potentially playing a different number of games. I'm wondering. Um, I'm sure you still feel that way. A, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And B, do you think the Pac-12 deserves to be considered if a team has an impressive enough year this year? Well, A, absolutely. More than ever, do I feel that the uh, now more than ever that the uh, playoffs should be expanded. And I think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think it's a matter of if it's when. Um, so I believe that's uh, on the horizon. Uh, as far as the Pac-12 this year, I think if we are able to get all seven games in, then absolutely we should be considered and, and uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, but in my estimation, with the seven game season, you have a big enough, a large enough body of work that you can get a fair evaluation and, and determine whether or not you deserve to be in the uh, playoff picture. I want to get your thoughts on being picked to finish third in the Pac-12 South preseason media poll. You know, we lost a lot of good players, and, and I would say that's probably to be expected and about uh, what we anticipated. And, and you're right, we don't put a lot of stock into that. All that really matters is all that matters, period, not all that really matters. All that matters, period, is what you do on the field, and and everyone will have their chance to, to prove their case as to where they belong and, and how good they are. And and uh, so we're approaching it no differently than we do any other year. And whether we're picked first, third, sixth, doesn't really matter to us. We've got to go out and, and play and, and uh, you know, prove ourselves on the field. Yeah. Hi, Coach. Uh, kind of a follow-up to the playoff question. Is there any concern on your part that the reputation of the Pac-12 right now is kind of low compared to the other conferences? And what would it take to elevate that? Uh, I would say it probably, that's probably accurate. Uh, doesn't concern me. We've got to play our way back into the situation and the picture. We've just had a few down years, and, and uh, I don't even know if you can call them down years, but years where we didn't have uh, an elite team that, that was able to run the table and get to the get to the uh, national forefront of where you need to get to be selected for the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, Pac-12 is an outstanding conference. It's very balanced. It's uh, top to bottom, one of the best in the country. And sometimes that plays to your disadvantage. But uh, what we're going to have to have in order to, to get invited is is somebody have a breakout year and, and uh, run the table. I think you pretty much would need to go seven and all six and one, maybe at, at the worst. But but uh, that's what's going to have to happen. Um, I want to talk a little bit about obviously you got the seven game schedule, but how confident are you that you all will be able to finish the season and be able to try to be eligible for the Pac-12 championship with the COVID-19 pandemic numbers continuing to rise? Yeah, that's anybody's best guess to or anybody's guess to figure that out. 
we're hoping we're hoping we're able to get them all in and there's really no with the time uh, configuration that we're working with there's really no opportunity to make up games and so if we miss a game that game is just going to be out the window and so you know we're, we're hoping that we get them all in like, you know nobody can predict the future i don't have a crystal ball but but uh that would be we'd all be elated if we can get the seven games in and and uh we'll see what transpires but but uh, just cross our fingers and, and hope for the best. Okay, next question. We'll go to Brian Howell. Hey Coach, uh, I'm just curious with the unique nature of this season and eligibility uh, not counting this year, does it change your approach at all as far as maybe trying to play some players that uh, you wouldn't normally try to play, or do you take the same approach of playing the best players to win games? Well, you got to get the best guys in the field, obviously, but what it does is gives us the flexibility and the luxury to play everybody, special teams, uh, you know, what have you, to, to be able to involve and use everybody and utilize them, even if it's only for one phase of special teams. Whereas in years past, you wouldn't necessarily uh, burn a guy's year to run down on kickoffs only. But this year, where everything is going to be frozen, then it gives you access to your entire roster. You don't have to worry about saving uh, eligibility for future years. And so, yeah, it's going to be uh, much different in that respect. But as far as your core players and the guys you're going to play, offensively and defensively and, and uh, you know, in your two deep, there's not going to be a lot of difference there, but, but I think where you really see it is, is special teams play and, and special teams depth. Your athletic director has sounded pretty willing to go with a 10 a.m. start and early morning kickoff as the head coach. How, how willing would you be to play one of those early morning kickoffs? If the league asked you to. As willing as you could possibly be. So whatever the maximum willingness level is, that's where we're at. And so it doesn't bother us a bit. Uh, our opinion has always been the sooner we can get on the field, the better. Uh, it provides no advantage for either team. They're both kicking off at the same time. And so we've uh, always been strong proponents here, at least our staff and players. Let's play as soon as we can. So that wouldn't bother us a bit. And we would take as many of those as, uh, as they offer to us. Hi, Coach. Uh, first off, uh, a non-football question. You mentioned Eddie Van Halen at the beginning. I'm wondering if there's – is there an ins, uh, a situation that you remember that uh, stands out about your, you know, how you appreciated his uh, talent level? If it was a concert, a, a moment in your personal life, I did see him a couple times in concert. But uh, more than anything, I grew up with him. I mean, I'm a, I'm a classic rocker. I grew up in the, you know, the golden age of the '70s and early '80s when classic rock was at its peak, and uh, they were just one of my favorites. And, and uh, you know, just had a. Uh, an affinity for for that band and and have listened to them for what 45 years now so so just nothing more than uh just love their music and uh enjoyed going to their concerts and just and just uh you know thought he was one of the top five guitarists of all time maybe the top three and and so he's just been a guy that i've always uh really enjoyed listening to thanks how big of an emphasis is it to you to to repeat as the uh, pack 12 South division champion. And how do you, how do you, what's your grasp on that uh, division this year? Well, to repeat again, I guess we repeated last year. So this would be the next one, whatever that is, three feet or whatever, but, but uh, it's a huge emphasis to, to get to the championship game and, and to win it. And that's, that's going to be our goal every year. Now, you know, obviously it's going to be difficult to attain, but uh, winning the PAC 12 South is, is good. And it's a, it's a positive step for our program, but, but we got to be able to finish the deal and, and win the whole thing. And I think if you talk to any team in the league, they'd have the same aspiration. But 
But uh, we certainly want to get to the championship game again and have a chance to finish it off the correct way. And uh, before you can do that, you got to win the South. So that's always going to be at the forefront of our minds. Good morning, Coach. Hey, so I, I got to ask you, so who are your top three or five guitarists of all time? I just, I have to ask it. Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix. Hendrix has got to be number one. Uh, he's, uh, in my estimation, and it's a distant, you know, whoever's second, probably, probably Eric Clapton, uh, number two. And, and uh, for my money, it would be, it would be uh, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Jeff Beck is up there. So there's, there's quite a few that are up there, but, but if you had to say who the king is, it's gotta be Jimmy Hendrix. Thanks for playing along, Kyle. Appreciate it. I'm always playing along with classic rock. No problem there. Kyle, could you update us on how your young secondary is coming along? Obviously you haven't been able to get them in pads and helmet yet, but I'm just wondering where, where they are in this very, um, abbreviated no camp that's going to come up. Yeah. Well, they look good in their underwear so far. Which, <laughs> that's our term when we're out there in no pads. We're just running around in shorts and helmets. Uh, they've got athleticism. they got speed. Uh, they're smart kids. And so everything we've been able to measure so far has been very positive. But it's a game of uh, physical contact, and, and it's something that uh, you really can't get a complete evaluation, obviously, until you get in the pads. And so I'll have a lot better answer for you a week from now, but so far, what we've seen has been very positive, especially from Clark Phillips, our highly uh, recruited corner out of Southern California that was with us for those three days in spring. And uh, he has proven to be uh, you know, a special player and, and uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing what he can do. No, the question was about the advantages of uh, your people, schools in your state and Arizona having more access when California and Arizona schools were restricted. That was, yeah, the, that was the, question. Short, the short answer is that we feel it was a big advantage and, and hopefully we maximized that and we had a chance to really uh, educate and catch our young guys up scheme-wise uh, in the form room and, and teaching. And for our football team in particular, that was very important because we've got uh, a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the squad. And that was time that we would not have had in a normal situation. So if there is a silver lining to to the way things uh, turned out is that we were able to spend a lot more time with those new players and ramping them up and getting them ready for fall camp, which will get underway here in a couple of days. Hey coach, uh, I, I cover Colorado. And so I'm just curious, uh, you know, with the Buffs third head coach in three years, uh, your impressions of uh, that situation there, but also how much uh, do you know Carl Durrell and kind of what are you expecting out of a Carl Durrell's team? Well, I don't know Carl personally, but I've observed him obviously throughout his career. He's done a lot of really good things. We played him way back when he was at UCLA. I can't remember what the year was, but he's got NFL experience. Uh, he's got uh, a lot of knowledge, obviously. Uh, I can't speak to you know the three coaches in three years or what their situation is. That's not my business and not my. I don't have enough insight to to make any comment there. But but I've got a lot of respect for Carl. And uh, he's a, a very good football coach, and, and I'm sure he's going to do a great job there. And as a follow-up to that, Tyson Summers, the defensive coordinator, is back. Uh, you know, they got a lot better on defense towards the end of last season. Um, did you see a difference in them? You played them the last game of the season. Did you see them different in that game as opposed to earlier in the season? Absolutely. They definitely got better as the season wore on, and, and particularly on defense. And, and they were they – were, uh, you know, hard, tough, hard-nosed football team, and, and we were able to get the win. It was the last game of the year, but the, or last regular season game. But, 
but you can definitely see when you watch the film that they were getting better week by week. There's been some reports that uh, Utah might be, uh, the Pac-12 obviously said that there are not going to be any fans in the stands this season. Uh, but there is a report that Utah might allow some family and friends into the stadium. Is that something you would uh, push for, or do you have an update on that? I don't have an update. I know that's been talked about, and they haven't got, uh, you know, we're still far enough away where I don't think that decision can be made definitively just yet to see how things trend. But uh, we would love to be able to have the opportunity to have our family and, and uh, players' families, you know, coaches' families, players' families in the stadium and, and uh, allow them to come. But, but uh, you know, safety first and the health of everybody is, is first and foremost. But, but if we can get that done, then I think that would be a big positive. And I hope, I hope uh, if certain schools are allowed or able to, to have fans that we'll be allowed to instead of just having a blanket statement that nobody can come. I don't think that personally is the way to handle it. But, uh, you know, my own feeling is uh, if you can safely do it, then let's do it. Hey, uh, Coach, you've always had some of the better special teams units in the country. I'm not really sure how much you've got to watch kind of early football this year, but the special teams have been kind of shaky. I'm just wondering, do you have any theories as to why that might be and what are y'all kind of doing to avoid that sort of start at Utah once the Pac-12 season gets going? Yeah, I don't have a good answer as to why you've seen a little bit of, of shoddiness in, in the special teams play, and I agree with you. Uh, I know from our standpoint, we place a huge emphasis on special teams. Uh, I think when the head coach gets involved in special teams, that puts the teeth into it. And I'm in every special teams meeting and involved in every phase of special teams. And so that, I think, uh, lends credibility to the players or, or they, they really buy into what we're doing. And uh, like I said, we put a premium on it. We have uh, you know, meeting time set aside, practice time devoted to it, not just, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just take, get through it get it over with we really focus on it and work it hard and, and I think that's really been why we've been able to have the success we have and hopefully it will continue but but I think the, the number one factor the number one key is player buy-in and our guys buy into that and understand that special teams is just as important as offense or defense. Um, you now know uh, who your first opponent is going to be um, it's going to be Arizona um, you also you know likely know who the quarterback is going to be which wasn't necessarily the case last year when Arizona was um, you know, switching between Khalil Tate and Grant Gannell. So I wanted to know two things. One, what are your expectations for that first game against the Wildcats? And number two, how does it change your preparation um, when, you, when you don't necessarily have to you know, prepare for two different offensive systems? Right. It does, it does help your defensive coordinator when he knows who the quarterback's going to be and what his strengths and weaknesses are and not having a, another guy in the mix that uh, has a dramatically different skill. So in that regard, it's uh, a little bit uh, less complicated to prepare for. Uh, we expect to see very similar uh, offensive schemes that we've been seeing out of Arizona since Coach Sumlin's been there. A new defensive coordinator this year, if my facts are correct, we, we just got started on Arizona a day or two ago, and so not completely up to speed, but we will be by game time, I promise you that. But, but uh, we expect uh, some different looks on defense, but uh, very similar what we've been seeing offensively. All right, we've got a couple more minutes and a couple more questions. We'll go to Trevor Allen. Yeah, Kyle, I just wanted to ask you about Clark Phillips. He obviously is, is the highest rated recruit that you've ever signed uh, in Utah football history. Having lost all of your secondary from last year, does he give you that jump start into rebuilding that secondary, especially with so many young players? He was a, a big-time player in high school and a national recruit. 
and we expect him to be a factor for us right away. And no better time to to bring a, a young man in your program like that than now for us, where you lose all five of your secondary guys. And and uh, you know we got we got two primary objectives going into fall camp that supersede pretty much everything else, and that's naming a starting quarterback, and a close second is getting that secondary solidified. And so that'll uh, the, you know one of our major tasks that we have going on as soon as fall camp starts. And Clark Phillips should be. Uh, part of that solution. Kyle, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, obviously there's bye weeks, you know, in, in normal seasons, but nothing like this last month that you just went through. What have you been doing on Saturdays? Well, we've, we've had a mixed bag on Saturdays. Some Saturdays we've had uh, practice with our guys and not practice, but skill instruction and, and, and some lifting and so forth. But most of the Saturdays we've been giving them off and uh, just, you know, Saturday, Sunday uh, in succession off, off days and, and allowing them to recharge and watch college football and same for the coaches. You, know, you need to get your coaches batteries recharged as well. So, so Saturday, Sunday has typically been uh, off days for us, although we have used a couple Saturdays throughout this process. Kyle, just to clarify one thing um, on Clark Phillips at this point, are you looking at him at the nickel or might you slide him outside? Could be either Josh. And, and right now he's spending most of his time inside, but uh, he has spent time outside as well. And the bottom line is we're going to get the three best corners on the field, regardless of whether they're t- you know, tagged inside or outside, and we'll find the, the best uh, way to, to uh, get those guys lined up. But, but uh, he's going to be able to play. When all is said and done, he'll be able to play either. Uh, nickel is a more demanding spot for us in our scheme. It's tougher coverage responsibilities. There's more run responsibilities uh, as well. And so that's the position if you had to – identify the diff- most difficult position on our defense to play would be that nickel back spot. Kyle, I know you're usually awake a few hours before the sun rises. So I got to ask, what is what is it about the way you guys prepare for a game day that makes you feel comfortable enough that you could get, you know, 60 teenagers and young adults ready for a football game? I think we have a, a system that, that we believe in. I know we have a system that we believe in and, and the players believe in it. We've been doing it a lot of years. There hasn't been a, a ton of changes to that system and that our approach, our process, I guess you could say. And uh, it's been proven over time, and we adhere to it. And if we, you know, if things go don't go right, and you have a, a couple setbacks, you don't panic and wholesale change things. You you stay with what uh, what you believe in. And I think that's that's a critical aspect of coaching is not to panic and not to just abandon what what uh, your beliefs and tenets are. You just continue to to believe in what you're doing and just keep doing it until you get it right. And so, uh, you know, I've been here a lot of years, had a great opportunity to work under Urban Meyer and Ron McBride before that and learn a bunch of stuff from them, Lavelle Edwards uh, way before that, and just uh, kind of put it all together and, and uh, came up with our own formula. And, and like I said, we believe in it and we think it works. And, and uh, not to say that we're not always looking for better ways to tweak it and, and modify but uh, we feel that the, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of what we're doing is, is sound and, and is, has uh, stood the test of time. And there you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham on the Pac-12 coaches webinar that took place on Thursday. All 12 coaches addressed the media. It was a long day from 10 a.m. Mountain Time to 4 p.m. Mountain Time uh, on Thursday. So it was a busy day, but it was great to to gather up what all the coaches are going through because every, every school is different and it all depends on which state that they're in. I know California has been dealing with issues and still dealing with them, at least as of right now with Cal and Stanford. But 
you know, it was only just a couple weeks ago that the Southern California schools got clearance and that the Oregon schools got clearance. And then Colorado was shut down for a little bit. And I think they still are. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But I know that Utah and also the Arizona schools haven't really had to deal with any of those uh, limitations where, you know, they're not allowed to practice or gather or anything like that. I want to talk about a couple of things to watch for in camp. And then we'll take a break and talk to Scott Mitchell. Obviously, one of them is the quarterback battle. Scott Mitchell and I will uh, talk about that coming up on the next segment. As we know, it's going to be three guys starting out. Drew Lisk, Jake Bentley, Cam Rising. They're going to all get starter reps beginning Friday when camp begins. And then Kyle Whittingham said about a week. He didn't want to be held to an exact time. Then they want to narrow it down to two. And then they want to go starter reps, splitting with those guys 50-50. And then... Hopefully around a week after that, they will name their starter where they will get all the reps with the ones for the last two weeks of camp before the opener. Next one is getting the uh, secondary up to speed. I mean, it's not very often that you have to replace your entire defensive secondary because they've all either graduated or gone off to the NFL or both. And that's the case that Utah's in this year. No more Josh Nurse, no more Tariq Lewis, no more Jalen Johnson, no more Terrell Burgess, no more Julian Blackman. Those guys are gone. Now you have to turn uh, you know, turn over a new leaf where you've got Clark Phillips III, Drew Rawls, Travis Broughton, LeCarrier Pleasant-Johnson, Malone Montaele, Vontae Davis, Ben Renfro, Stone Azarcon, Nate Ritchie, R.J. Hubert, just to name a few. They're, they're going to fill in spots, and that's exactly what I, I think that, that Utah will be able to accomplish and get done because Sharif Shaw and Morgan Scowie do a tremendous job of coaching up guys and developing them and getting them ready to go. The only challenge is is that you now have four weeks and you have to do it in the middle of school as opposed to past training camps where they always start before school, usually in August, and, and they haven't quite started school just yet. Camp is wrapped up by the time that they start school. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So that's definitely a place to watch. And then also the other linebacker spot. I'm sure you've already seen some of the reports out there that Sione Lund is in the transfer portal, according to reports. As you guys have probably seen, he hasn't really factored in because in the, after the first spring ball practice back in March, Kyle Whittingham announced that he and Dante Banton were both suspended for violation of team rules. And we haven't seen Sione Lund's name on the roster, the 2020 fall roster. There's still a lot of bright, young, talented players who could fill the void playing at linebacker next to Devin Lloyd. And I think... The two front runners for that is Andrew Mataafa and Nephi Sewell. And I think it ultimately goes to, to Nephi Sewell, but I think that Andrew Mataafa will also factor in and get some reps at linebacker. And then another one is how deep is Utah's offensive line? I know Kyle Whittingham has mentioned in the past that he likes to have about eight to ten guys deep that they're able to rotate in and out. I want to see, for one, who will take one of the guard spots because as of right now, You've got Braden Daniels who can play right guard or left guard. I think you're going to have Nick Ford out at left tackle, and then you'll have obviously Orlando Amana at center, and you'll have Simi Mawala at right tackle. So how deep is Utah on the offensive line? I think that Keaton Bills is the front runner to start at one of the guard spots, and I think it'll be left guard. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then a couple of other things to look at is how, how the running back uh, room is going gonna, is gonna to play out. You've got a lot of talented guys, T.J. Green, Jordan Wilmore, Devin Brumfield. I've mentioned in the past, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah went running back by committee. 
But I know Kyle Whittingham wants to have that lead back who gets most of the reps, but it's not like that whoever's the lead back, the other two are not going to get reps because that will be the case. It's just not as many. And finally, how do the young DNs play a factor on that defensive line? Because you've got a lot of talented guys there. You've already got Max Dupai, Mika Tafua, who are going to be your, your starters come day one. And then you're also going to have a couple of young guys fighting for reps, and that's Xavier Carlton and Van Fillinger, two guys who came into the program as a pair of four-star recruits that have a lot of upside. So do they factor in now? Is it going to be, we'll have to see, you know, a couple of games in, maybe they, they play their way in, into the rotation, or are they guys who are projects and, and you uh, you wait until next year to really roll them out and, and see what they can do in, in game time? I, I think it's going to be the first one. I think they're going to factor in early on. It'll be interesting to see because both of them didn't enroll until after spring. So neither of them were in, in spring ball. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Scott Mitchell will break down Utah's quarterback battle heading into training camp. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. A big thank you to the Pac-12 for having all the coaches available to the media on Thursday as we caught up with all 12 coaches in the Pac-12. I'm calling that the virtual media day uh, for the coaches, even though they didn't call it that. They called it the coaches webinar, but it's leading up to camp. All these coaches are not going to be available again in this type of setting until media day next year. It was a really long day on Thursday, but we'll have more throughout the season over at kslsports.com. Now, as, as we sit here on the eve of training camp beginning for the Utes, I caught up with and will be catching up with every single week throughout camp, uh, former Utah quarterback Scott Mitchell. Uh, if you guys don't know, Scott is a legend up on the hill. He, he's in the Hall of Fame. He is all over this quarterback battle between Jake Bentley, Drew Lisk, and Cam Rising. So as we head into camp, 
It's time to break down Utah's quarterback battle with Scott Mitchell. Glad to have back on the Crimson Corner podcast, former Utah football legend and current uh, color analyst for the Utes on radio and also host of KSL's Unrivaled on KSL News Radio, Scott Mitchell. Scott, how are you, man? I am wonderful, Trevor. How are you? I am doing great. So we're just coming off of the announcement that Utah was predicted to finish third in the Pac-12 South standings by the media. Thoughts on that? I don't know that it's a surprise. Utah's lost a lot of players on defense, uh, lost a quarterback who is very productive, and, and, and of course, it's top running back. So uh, that, that's a lot to, to fill. I mean, you got nine, nine positions on defense you got, you got to fill. And so, um, you know, I think, I think it's a reasonable expectation that, team, or that the conference would, you know, think of that. Uh, Utah's done a great job of recruiting. Over the past few years, a lot of lot of talent. It's just it's just unproven talent, and it might take a game or two before uh, these guys start getting comfortable. They didn't have they didn't have uh, spring football. The fall has been <laughs> extremely disrupted. Uh, so so it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I don't know that uh, the other teams in the conference you know have have positions they have to fill too. Uh, I think it'll be competitive, but. Coach Winningham and his staff have been around a long time, and they they do a great job of developing uh, the talent that they get, and and I think getting the most out of it. And they've been super competitive the last few years, and so uh, I, I'm not surprised by it. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Utah finished better by the time the season's over. And that's usually what happens too. Is that you know the Utes are usually picked farther down, and they they always seem to rise to the occasion. It, it's the same way in basketball, where they're always picked you know towards the bottom of the of the conference, and and Larry always turns that thing around. But the the thing is, Scott, you you mentioned it's a very young team, and you know it's going to take a couple of games to get them rolling. But you only have seven games. It, is that, is that going to be the main challenge? Is to to try and get these guys up to speed as quick as possible. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's always the challenge. Uh, Co- Coach Whittingham's talked about they've had a lot of time with this team uh, in in small spurts. You know, it's it's like small doses over a long period of time. And so I think from an, an intellectual understanding of the, the the schemes offensively and defensively, I, I think they they may be further along. They just they just don't have the game experience and. You normally have the luxury of having some out-of-conference games to start things, but I think with uh, how the schedule was was laid out, just with the conference only, it's probably as good as it could be for Utah. You know, I don't know that Arizona is going to be all that good, nor UCLA, and that's who they start the season with. And of course, they start at home, which is which is a nice way uh, to start the season. And and so they'll have a few games under their belt before before they get to some of the, you know, the USC game. And, and I just, you know, I think that's as good as you could expect because there, there are just going to be mistakes. There's going to be, it's There's going to be some rough spots. Uh, and, and if you're going to have that, you want to, you want to have that against opponents that you, you can play. I don't want to say poorly, but maybe not uh, at your best and, and still be able to win the game. Now, turning our thoughts over to what is coming up on Friday, and that is the uh, start of training camp, I guess fall camp, training camp, whatever it is. It's kind of weird um, in, in the time we're in now. But uh, Kyle Whittingham said about a week ago that he wants to 
go into camp with three guys getting reps uh, at, at quarterback with the ones. They're all going to be splitting reps, Drew List, Cam Rising, and Jake Bentley. And then about a week later, he wants to narrow that, that down to two. And then hopefully a week after that, he wants to have a starter. So heading into camp, you've got three quarterbacks who are going to be sharing reps. What are your thoughts on, on what each of those guys do well? And, you know, how, how do you kind of see this playing out? I think it's interesting that there are three to start with. I think everyone kind of thought it was a two-man race. And a lot of, a lot of people said, you know, Drew Lisk was not even going to uh, continue playing football. Mm-hmm. So there's something there. What it is, I'm not sure. Uh, but it, they, they like what they see in Drew Lisk, and he still has a desire to play football. And of all three of the guys, he's the one that knows the system the best and has had the most experience. He's actually had game experience in, in, in Andy Ludwig's system. Is he the most talented guy there? I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's certainly capable. Uh, these these other, other guys are much more heralded. But uh, um, I, I'm, I'm actually – I'm pleasantly surprised to see that he's in there. I, I'm not sure that he has a realistic shot. I mean, maybe, maybe he'll surprise everyone, and he does. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. But he's there, and, th- and that, that should tell you at least something, that they, they, think, they think enough of him to give him – a, a real a, a legitimate shot at things or they just don't feel the other guys maybe aren't what they thought they were uh cam rising i i've just heard nothing but really good reports about uh his leadership uh he's a you know he's a guy that's really bought into the program he's the guy that's going to be there the longest of the three and i think that's an important uh thing and then you have jake bentley who probably is the most experienced and and has certainly had a lot of success in a, in a very challenging conference in the SEC. So they're all kind of different in, in what they bring. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's more of maybe where Utah wants to go or sees the program right now. Is it, is this a rebuilding year or is this a year where they, it's a retooling year and they, they Utah feels like it's got a shot to win the conference. And, and, I, and I think that matters as to who you start. I think if, if Utah feels like, hey, we can win now, then you go with Jake Bentley. You go with a more proven, polished, finished product, a guy who's had more success. It's, it, he'll be able to draw on a lot of game experience and have a comfort level when he, when he steps onto the field just because he's, he's played. You know, he's played a lot. I mean, he's played in, you know, I think, 31 games. And that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of college football to – to play in so you, you're you, you know you you have that proven commodity is is he the you know the best one I, I don't know but if he he's probably he's probably the best one to let to give you a chance to win in a short season like you have now and if Utah feels like it can compete for a championship if this is a rebuilding year it's like look we we got a lot of holes we this is this is I don't want to call it a throwaway year but it's kind of a maybe a step back year, uh, then, then I think you go with a younger guy like Cam Rising because he's going to be around for a while and, and you give him that game experience. You take your lumps with him. There are going to be mistakes. There's going to be some good things. There's going to be some bad things. You get that out of the way right now. And then, then next year and the following year, you're, you're, you're going to be really competitive to, to compete for a championship. And, 
and uh, it's kind of what happened with Tyler Huntley. You know, he mm-hmm. was thrown in really early and took his lumps, but then U- Utah went to two straight Pac-12 championship games, and he and Tyler Huntley was was significantly uh, a significant part of why the team went there. And and I I just think you know it's it, it just as an outside observer, I think it's what does Utah see its season. And if it's just like, hey, we don't we don't think that far ahead, we don't think that deeply about all of this, then they just say we're going to just have an open competition and see who who gets us there. Because this year, ultimately, Trevor doesn't matter in that you know it's it's almost like a glorified spring practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a it's a half of a season, um, and and if these guys you know maybe and maybe maybe they go with Jake Bentley and 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 then he gets to come back next year again, and he's got all of this game experience, and Utah's, you know, going to be in really in a really good position next next year. And maybe he wouldn't want to. Maybe he says, you know, I I want to move on, and and I had my year, and I want to see where where things go. Um, so it's I think it's intriguing, no matter what. And the the nice thing is, Utah's got a lot of really good options at whoever's going to be the quarterback. You mentioned a couple of things there that stood out. One, I don't think we've had this competitive or highly, you know, looked at quarterback battle as long as I've covered Utah, and it's been over the last 10 years because, you know, as you mentioned, Tyler Huntley, out of nowhere, I don't think anybody thought that uh, as a sophomore he was going to beat out Troy Williams to be the starting quarterback, but then Tyler had the job, you know, throughout. But I also think this is probably the deepest Utah has been at quarterback in probably at least since since joining the Pac-12, would you agree with that? Well, you you look at the teams that have success. I mean, take Justin Herbert, and uh, he was a guy that could make you know all the throws, and and uh, and I don't know that Utah's had that. There was some limits with Tyler Huntley. He wasn't a guy that was going to drop back in the pocket, make a read on the defense, and and make throws. And he made some amazing throws. Uh, but he was he was better with play action. He was better when they moved him out of the pocket, and uh, and and that that had some limitations to it. And 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 uh, Tyler was amazing at escaping and extending plays, I and mean, he was really really good at that. But I think these guys are are more of a, I don't know that Utah's had quarterbacks like this in the program, maybe even in the whole time that Kyle Whittingham has been been the coach. And that's something that I, I'm I'm excited about. Someone who who understands quarterbacks and wants to see that kind of play. It'll be it'll be interesting. One just to 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 see if this is more of a um, you know drop back in the pocket, and make make kind of throws, but also uh, with a defense that's kind of challenged right now, and it's challenged just because they don't have a lot of experience. Utah may need to score more points than maybe they have had to in the past. And, and so relying on an, a more wide open offense uh, may be the way that Utah wins this year. And that's, that's a, that's certainly a departure from a Kyle Whittingham type of team. So, so it'll be interesting to see if that actually comes to fruition and, and, uh, and to see what these guys do. I, I want you to put on looking ahead, crystal ball, if you were to just predict, I mean, we, we already probably think that we already know who, who they're going to narrow it down to, Cam Rising and Jake Bentley. But as we sit here a month away from the opener, who do you think is going to be the uh, starting quarterback? And, and again, I'll, I'll probably ask you this again 
in a week and then, you know, uh, you know, thoughts on it after they, they name the starter. But just as you look at it right now, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback for Utah? Um, I, I, my money's on Jake Bentley. Uh, I think he's the most polished, the most experienced. Uh, this is a short season. I think, I think Coach Whittingham and his staff are always competing for championships. There, you know, you only have to win six games, and and the schedule is very favorable, uh, you know, for Utah to to really make some noise. They've got USC at home, uh, you know, not, and I, I don't I don't know that I think USC is the team to beat in the South, and and so I think I think just having that stability, that experience at quarterback, is something that Utah is really gonna need. That, with with so much so much inexperience in other positions and I think Jake Bentley's the guy that gives it to you. Have you ever imagined playing a college football game without fans? I've only played without fans once in my career and it was odd. And I think it's uh, impacting these games. I think that some of these schools that, you know, they use the the momentum of the crowd, they use the the you know the weapon of the crowd it's hard when there's there's crowd noise and and you you go into some of these places that normally you know there'd be 80 90,000 people and and there that intimidation factor or that noise factor is not there and a lot of times i think it it feels even a little bit like practice and so the nerves aren't quite there um the inability to communicate sometimes where where it's really noisy is not there and you you kind of you're kind of seeing it in the NFL. You know, you hear every week it's like another historic week with these quarterbacks and and the success they're having. Completion percentages are up higher. So I I think the crowd um, situation, regardless of whether it's in college or, or the pros, has an impact. It's it's very different uh, when when the fans aren't there. And and uh, and I I think it it looks like it's favoring more offenses than, than defenses. Uh, and, and I think in college, you know, you're so much on momentum and hype and getting pumped up that, uh, it, you know, it's going to be a factor, you know, for most of the year. And I know that um, in, in the pros, not having uh, any fans there, it helps quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers with, you know, cadences and things like that and trying to throw off defenses. Is that, is that something that is more, that could, you know, ha- have an impact in the college game as well, or is that more, is that more of an upper tier skill set? No, I think it, I think it's both. I, I don't think it, you know, it's one over the other. But um, the the advantage you have when you're at home, whether it's in college or professionally, is the noise, and and it takes away from the offense that you know knowing the cadence, and so the defense is a half a step behind, and they're half they're having. Uh, I'm sorry, the offense, well, normally the defense is half a step behind, but when you're, when you have that home crowd noise, it, it really gives your offense an advantage and your defense. And when it's not there anymore, there's no advantage. So there's no, there's no advantage to home field anymore. And, and that's, and, and you go in some of these places like Death Valley or some of these noisy, or even Utah, you know, Utah is a hard place for people to come and play Mm -hmm. because it's loud, it's noisy. Oregon, you know, Washington, some of these other schools, it's that goes away and that and that's an advantage it's an, and it's a real advantage. But it, when it's not there, uh, then then it's kind of an even playing field. And and, and I, th- you know, just from that perspective, but also 
players feed off of the emotion of the crowd. It, 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 you know, gets them going. And I think even more so in college than the pros and not having that excitement of the crowd, I think can be a challenging thing for some, some college teams and players to, to find their motivation. I know that many have said that Oregon probably has the best chance of getting into the college football playoff out of the Pac-12, but they're having to, to re- replace their uh, starting quarterback and their entire offensive line now that Epine Sewell opted out. I'm not sure if he's going to opt back in. It sounds like he's not going to, but does the Pac-12, as you sit here a month away from the, the season opener, does the Pac-12 get a team in the college football playoff? Oh, I think it's hard. It's hard to tell right now because, you know, if you have, let's just say you have a team that goes seven and zero, and then you have a SEC team that goes ten and one or nine and one, and and they've you know they've now played three more games, and and you know, and who who have they played against, and and so it's it's hard. I think it's hard when you're Utah, or or anyone in the Pac-12, I should say, right now to really weigh everything out because that's what they're going to do. They're, they're going to look at the strength of schedule. They're going to look at the number of games you played, you know, maybe, maybe having a no loss pack 12 team may not be good enough or, or it may, it may very well be good, good enough. And uh, you know, it's just, it's just kind of, I think if, if there's, if the pack 12 has some teams that are ranked, cause you've got, you only have one team right now that's ranked and, and there's still another month, before anyone in the Pac-12 plays. So, so there's a whole lot of football that's being played and a lot of influence that's happening in college football that the Pac-12 really has nothing, nothing to do with. I mean, before all of this, this started, there were three teams in the Pac-12 in the discussion. Uh, now there's only one in Oregon. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just hard to overcome a lot of the – a lot of the hype that a lot of these teams get and a lot of the games they, they play, you know, I mean, they're, they're playing a, a whole month or so of football that the PAC 12 didn't get to participate in. And it, and it puts you at a massive disadvantage. I want to talk about the pros for a minute because uh, there's a guy who, who played at the same university you did who's playing in the NFL right now. And that's Alex Smith. He was just named the backup to Kyle Allen for the Washington football team. And which means that Dwayne Haskins has been benched. Just thoughts on Alex being not only making the roster, but now being a backup quarterback after what he has gone through. Yeah, I mean, Alex has, has been a warrior throughout his whole career, being the number one pick and and having, you know, leading a team to to the NFC Conference Championship in San, San Francisco and then and then getting benched. And uh, that that's, you know, a challenging thing to have to overcome, and especially being the first pick in the draft because mm-hmm. – people are very unforgiving. Uh, they expect you to be, you know, pretty darn good. And, and uh, he did some smart things in that he renegotiated his contract and stayed with the 49ers and kind of, you know, it's, it's, um, it's better to, to be with something, you know, than, than something you don't know. And, and it just kept him, it kept him relevant. Cause once, once you leave the team that drafted you in your number one, the opportunities just diminish rather rapidly and it, and it, uh, cause it's a perception that you're a bust and he kind of overcame that perception. And I thought he did a really nice job with that. And then, and then he was able to really go to a, 
a coach that understood and could maximize his talents. And he, and he was very productive in Kansas city. And, you know, if you have to get moved for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who I think is the best player in the NFL right now, you, you know, that's not, that's not a bad thing. And, and of course he was doing very well in Washington until he got hurt. And, and just, just, so just his whole career, of how he's managed it and, and he's kept himself relevant and he's, and he's really, really done a, a, a nice job of, of having a lot of success in some challenging times. And just, just to come back from the injury he has and be in the position he's in, it's, it just speaks volumes as to the warrior mindset and the, and the tenacity that he's shown. And you really want to, you know, cheer for someone in that situation because his, his injury was, you know, life threatening and really serious and, a lot of people would say, yeah, maybe you shouldn't even come back from that or consider it. And, but he did, and, and who knows, by the end of the season, he may be out on the field again. Would you have so. come back? If, if, if you were to go through an injury like that, would you have come back? Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you're wired that way, you just, you, just, you just don't understand quit and no and stop. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just go. Well, Scott, I know that over the last, you know, couple of weeks when they, you know, the, the Pac-12 announced that they're not going to have any football in the fall and then, and then they got the rapid testing. What has kind of the last month been like for you as someone who has played the game? Because I know for me, it's been kind of a struggle seeing some of, some of my colleagues, you know, covering their, their teams and me just sitting here and kind of seeing what, what's going to happen with Utah. And, I mean, I'm just glad that we're going to be talking about football for the, for the next month leading up to the game and then having a season. But what has it been like for you as someone who, who has played the game? And I mean, to, to maybe put, put yourself in, in their shoes of the players where they were saying, okay, you guys are not playing. And then all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, we are going to play. Um, I, I've never really been through a situation like this uh, as a player. Um, you, you learn that the only cons- the only constant in life is change and, there are always things that are going to kind of not go the way you planned. I mean, just in every game, it's like that. You, you have a game plan, you work and you prepare, and then you get in the game and it's like, you know, this stuff isn't working. We have to make an adjustment. And it's that willingness to kind of be flexible, adjust to things as they, as they happen. Life is that way. And people that, uh, people that can do that, people that don't get bent out of shape, over certain things not going their way tend to be people that uh you know have a you know just just can adapt and and work through things on on our show on uh unrivaled we were we were talking about this and i used the example of a of a palm tree and a and an oak and there was this you know massive wind and, and rainstorm that came through utah and did so much damage and you saw these beautiful oak trees uh, that just were ripped or, or, or a lot of other trees just ripped right out of the ground. And I saw that in hurricanes, you know, when I lived in Florida, but the palm trees, they could just withstand the winds, you know, hundred plus mile an hour winds. And it was just because they, they just had an ability to be flexible in those, those situations. And so having that, you know, ability to kind of adjust and adapt is really the, I think, the key to any team having success. And so you look at this season for Utah, it's not going to go as planned. Uh, even, even the fact that they're going to be playing games, there's going to be 
things that are going to come up. You're going to lose a player. You're going to, you know, you're going to have to maybe move or, you know, who knows what they're going to do with the schedule. But uh, having an ability to adapt is, is the people who are going to survive this. Are you going to be traveling for radio? I know. I don't know anything yet. Yeah, you don't know anything yet? Nope. Yeah, and, yeah and, and we don't either. We don't even know if they're going to allow media at, at home games either. So it's kind of – we're kind of in flux right now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it changes. You know, I mean, the, the you know, they're talking of possibly going to a different color, you know, an orange color in Salt Lake County. And and so, you you know, you just don't know. And then, you, and then you're dealing with other, other uh, parts of the country. You know, you, you mm. go to California, what does that look like? And, or, or, you know, you go to Colorado or Arizona and it's, it's, you know, who knows what they'll allow. And again, you just kind of have to go with the flow and be flexible. Well, I'm just glad that we're not talking about things being canceled or, you know, moved to the, you know, end of the year. I'm glad that we're actually able to talk about football and Utah football. And I know Scott throughout camp, I'm going to have you on weekly um, to talk about this, that this quarterback battle, because that's obviously the biggest talking point of, of this entire camp is who's going to take over for Tyler Huntley. And, um, I, know, I know it's going to be really interesting. So uh, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time today. And uh, we'll definitely catch up next week when they narrow it down to two guys. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks, Trevor. And there you go. That was former U Scott Mitchell, also host of KSL's Unrivaled on KSL News Radio here on the Crimson Corner Podcast. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, you guys will hear from Lynn Roberts, a little conversation that I had with her about getting ready for a pandemic. It's not just Utah football getting ready. Utah men's and women's basketball is getting geared up, too, as they will begin the season on November 25th. That coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast, segment number three as we uh, get you ready for training camp for Utah football, but something that we've uh, kind of thrown by the wayside, at least for you know the most part, has been basketball, even though there is some big news regarding uh, men's and women's basketball for Utah, is that they are going to have a season and that it'll begin November 25th. We just don't know who they'll play, how many non-conference games, how many conference games. Uh, hopefully within the next week or so, we will know at least conference games how many the running Utes and, and Utah women's basketball will be playing in the 2020-21 season. I was able to catch up with Utah women's basketball head coach Lynn Roberts who's going into her sixth season as the head coach of the Utes and she's going to have a really young and talented team coming up in 2020 and uh, I kind of wanted to get the lay of the land of her team especially with so many new new faces. Something that we haven't really talked about is is what these student athletes in basketball are having to do to get ready especially during training camp so I asked Lynn Roberts what it's like preparing for a season during a pandemic well I'll tell you what there's no handbook right there's no uh no there's I've coached a long time but this is this is certainly nothing that um that you can prepare for so 
you know, I, I told our team, we just had workouts this morning and I told our team that, you know, my philosophy going into this is the, the teams that are able to just adapt as we go um, and make, you know, five minute before, there's going to be games or situations or practices where, you know, oh, she can't go because she has symptoms or, oh, we're down to one ref because two tested positive or, you know, the plane that we're supposed to ride is, it got canceled because like, we're going to have to just make adjustments and that's going to be all year long. So I think the team that can do that uh, the most, just kind of shrug your shoulders and, and move on is going to be the most successful. So how do you prepare your team? I think you just got to keep throwing things at them that, um, are a little bit just out of the box. This was just a bizarre time. But other than that, I think we have to try to keep things as normal as possible. As weird as this is, I think practices and training and um, interactions and everything, we, we have to try to keep as normal as possible. So how we prepare, how we recover, how we train, how we hang out as normal as we can. So what are practices like then as far as keeping players safe, keeping the staff safe? I mean, how many hours are you allowed to practice right now? And how many of it is on the court? How many of it is in the weight room? How many of it is in the film room? What is kind of the layout of your, I guess, training camp, if you will? Yeah, well, we, we're just now shifting because we have the, the daily testing capabilities, um, which is it's a game changer, as, as people have said. So now we can actually do things. Before that, uh, we weren't doing hardly anything, Trevor. Like we were trying to be as creative as we could, but, you know, only one kid per basket with one ball, um, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do that doesn't just get tremendously boring in that sense. Um, you know, players want to play basketball and, uh, or soccer or football or whatever their craft is, they want to play. And so um, we did as much as we could with that. And obviously weight training we can do. Um, we haven't done any uh, team film stuff. We've done a lot of online virtual stuff um, with film or whatever. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, I think in, in these kind of troubled times, that's when um, innovation is kind of the genesis of innovation, right? Like when there's times like this is when you've got to figure out ways in all things that we do, recruiting, coaching, leading, impacting, you got to get creative. And um, what we've normally done, we haven't been able to do. So what can we do to be innovative and, and still get the job done? So um, that's a long answer to your question because we've been doing so much different uh, before and then this week in the end of last week we started with the daily testing so now we're actually able to have like play defense and do some other fun things that is required in the sport of basketball how often are, are your players getting tested uh well, any day that we work out they're getting tested and there you go that was utah women's head basketball coach lynn roberts we'll have you covered on the crimson corner podcast and also at kslsports.com for all utah men's women's basketball as well as gymnastics and Utah football and all the other sports that are going on up on the hill when they get rolling. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys keep your tabs on kslsports.com and download the KSL Sports app. And make sure you guys tune into this podcast regularly because I'm going to have updates throughout camp as we go four weeks of availability with – Kyle Whittingham and players, and we'll obviously break down who emerges and all that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.